You are now tuned into On a Tuesday, the podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Aaron. Thanks for joining me as I share my perspectives on life, art, love, and everything in between. I hope to leave you better than I found you. Welcome to my passion. Let's talk about it. Minority Mental Health Month. I think it says something that there's a Mental Health Awareness Month and then there's a Minority Mental Health yep. Awareness Month. May is like the regular Mental Health Awareness Month and mm-hmm. July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, so yeah, for the last two years I've been celebrating it. So um, I did free events at first mm-hmm. and so they were yoga, Zumba, discussion, and a paint night. Um, so this year I'm going to continue it too. It's just like less threatening just to learn about like mm-hmm. mental health. There's so much stigma about it. And yes. so who wants to be talking about something that they are not really liking already? So I've thrown together, not thrown, I put together <laughs> some amazing things to like have fun and have that discussion and be educated on what you can do. Because the other pieces, a lot of people are are continuing to like live in silence and not really yeah. knowing what the options are. Connecticut has a lot of good resources, I feel like anyway. Mm-hmm. We have two on one. Are you familiar with two on one? Yeah, I, okay. I've heard about it. Yeah, you've heard about it? Oh, you don't I've heard about it. I've not, I haven't experienced okay. it. Okay, <laughs> so two on one has two different like main like pathways, I feel like. One, like usually when people hear about two on one, it's like the kid who's like, um, his behavior is pretty irate and whatnot, so mm-hmm. a parent or a school will call two on one, a clinician will come out, assess them, and like suggest some treatments or whatever. Yeah. Um, two on one, just any person can call and ask for like, what are the local resources in the area for free? Mm-hmm. Um, shelters, um, treatment centers, various different things, um, assistance with like different bills and whatnot. They also offer twenty four hour. Um, hotline therapy anonymously which is great three o'clock in the morning you feel yourself getting into an episode could just two on one literally and have someone to talk to um uh so yeah and they also do some community education regarding like um suicide prevention and whatnot which is also like on the rise um self-harm as well it's a couple of different towns like in Connecticut where like the adolescents teenagers were engaging in some risky behavior regarding like self-harm um and attempting to like make packs regarding like suicide so um I think it's really good to have that education and that resource parents I don't think really know like what the heck what is this yeah the lingo and different things like that or the signs um so that's where that comes from I think there's this this idea that in uh, like a lot of minority groups that sometimes our parents are our triggers and mm-hmm. that's the reason why they don't know how to help us because they don't really realize that they're causing it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I know that was the case for me where mm-hmm. it's just I wasn't really allowed to grow and be an individual because my parents weren't ready. My parents weren't ready. My parents definitely weren't ready to be parents when they were and it's no it's no takeaway from them as human beings, but you know they weren't ready to be parents i think that even now if they were to have me and my siblings now they still might not be ready just mm-hmm. because the the socioeconomic climate of everything that's that's the that's the primary focus it's 
what can I afford? Mm -hmm. And so there's the whole siblings watching each other. And I like I take my hat off to my sister every single time because she kind of raised me, Mm -hmm. you know, the always babysitting me. So it's just like everything that you have not done or have not been able to do or feel like has been taken away from you in a way that was because you were kind of thrown in a position to mm-hmm. take care of a, a kid that you didn't have like mm-hmm. that wasn't and it wasn't even made to be a choice and so like I realized that there's a lot with her that that's different for me because we grew up in the same household but the burden on her was different than a burden mm-hmm. on me and then realizing that I was an additional burden because I was just this wayward like pseudo emo child that she was supposed to be trying to help but didn't know how to and so we have conversations about it now where it's mm-hmm. just like I'm sorry we're gonna move forward with this but we are gonna talk about this as long as we need to because there's so much healing to be done from that Mm -hmm. and so now that we're in each other's corner with it and rather than kind of just like who are you stop trying to tell me what to do now it's a lot better because we have that understanding and that compassion for each other and even talking to my mom about it because I remember when that kind that conversation was (sighs) it was a lot Mm -hmm. but having to let her know that Uh, you triggered this and not in a I'm shaming you for that but I need you to know so you can let up so that I can actually progress but Mm -hmm. also clue you in on what's happening because I'm not going to want to talk to you if you're literally the reason for most of my triggers like just the way that you make me feel about myself and the expectations that you've placed on me that you haven't even given me the tools or tried to Mm -hmm. show me how to get the tools to be the person that you wanted me to be but you still want me to be it and so I think that's, that's, I don't want to classify it, but I feel like the West Indian population, there's a lot of toxicity there Mm -hmm. where it's just like, well, we turned out fine. And I think my, my hope, my honest God hope is that we realize that we're not fine. Mm -hmm. Because when we realize that we're not fine, then we can go about doing the work for ourselves, but then also doing the work for our kids. So we're not perpetuating this cycle of foolishness and that's a hard conversation to have with mm-hmm. old-fashioned Indians that are exactly. just like, you know, my mother beat me with a broom, and I didn't do that to you, so you should be thankful. And it's just like, okay, well, beating me with everything else doesn't, you know, it doesn't take away from the mm-hmm. fact that it wasn't a broom. Uh-huh. And it's it's a hard conversation to have. Yeah. But I think it's, um, and what's the worst part about it is for a lot of us, not even just West Indians, a lot of us, it's like, there's no hope for repairing what has happened because a lot of our parents aren't willing to even admit that okay I was wrong mm-hmm. it, there's like even I like the conversation that I have with my mom she gets really defensive about it and I had to tell her I'm like this isn't me saying you're a bad person I understand that you could only give of what you already have like, mm-hmm. you can't give something that's not in you mm-hmm. so I'm not judging you but I'm letting you know this is where it stems from and it took a while for her to be accepting of it and realize that okay you know okay she's saying this and it hurts but she's also acting like she wants me around so maybe there's something there and so she's starting to become a little bit more open to it but I still don't think there's too much hope as far as and not for me specifically but just for a lot of us with the kind of relationships that we wanted to have with our parents Mm -hmm. we're grown now so it's like we can we can repair the 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 connection where we can move forward but we won't feel all all, we won't always get to a point where we feel like that's mommy it's ma 
it's anything that kind of makes it feel less reliant on <laughs> on the entity behind the name so it's ma versus mommy mm -hmm. and or dad versus father or whatever else and so you know there's still the chance for that connection but then we are thrown into positions where we're like parenting or you know mm -hmm. the aunties and the uncles that we have to try to give of what we didn't have but in order to break that cycle we actually have to get past all of that hurt and it's yeah. it's hard because you know when again back to being needed um when you feel like you are being needed by people who you know you have to you have to find you have to pull it out of somewhere you mm -hmm. have to find it but then you also need that person to like crawl into somebody's lap and like cry about it and you mm -hmm. don't have that it's taxing yep and so that's why i think these resources these conversations even are necessary because there's so many people that are beating themselves up literally i saw a video the other day of this youtuber that committed suicide and mm. the video was just him ranting about his reason and he was like yep i messed up and i'm like dude it's a mess up like we all do it mm -hmm. there are murderers who sleep better than i do even though i've never done anything that bad but mm -hmm. it's just like if they can sleep well at night you can get to a point where you forgive yourself for whatever it is and it's just sad to see so many people that they don't have the will and i don't think it's that they don't have the capacity because the the people who have found themselves in positions to take their own life it's not the first it wasn't the first thought I, I i don't i don't know the statistics but i'm quite sure that there's very few people that actually act on the first thought because it's mm -hmm. terrifying mm -hmm. even being in that space it's terrifying to feel that to mm -hmm. feel that like you're at war with yourself yeah. and there's no way like if you if any side that loses is just a complete loss because yep. it's you on both ends yep. and that's terrifying so i really doubt that there's anyone that kind of just locks in the first time they feel anything or think anything mm -hmm. so it's like you're literally fighting for yourself up until that point yep. so the you know it's the capacity is there mm -hmm. it's just the will at the point where you give in and it's just like what can we do to change that what can we do to make you realize that this is just another moment and that with a little bit more pushing you'll get to you know it's just it's the curve Mm -hmm. It's the curve, and then you just got to get past the curve, and you're going to get to another curve at some point, but it's going to pass. And, like, what can we do to ensure that they know this? Like, <sighs> a lot, a lot that needs to go on in, in order for someone to get to that space because it's the belief that that's actually true because history is probably going to show them that that's not accurate. Yeah. Um, and I'm constantly suffering and this is the only way out. Mm -hmm. um, more than likely their circles are like small and or toxic, extremely toxic. Yeah. Um, so it just makes it really hard to push past that. Um, and trust. Trust within themselves as, as well as others that, okay, I'm, I'm falling and I could fall back on you. Mm -hmm. But probably history shows them that they cannot trust anyone around them and so that it's I'm, I'm not there yet or I don't want to be there I'm not trusting of a clinician I'm not trusting of um, a supportive person a friend a neighbor mm -hmm. history shows me that I cannot trust them yeah and that usually stems from being shown that they can't trust themselves mm -hmm. and I think that's why manipulation is so powerful in the wrong direction because like that's something I experienced growing up where I had parents who kind of, it's just like anything to pacify me, but not in me getting what I want. It's just mm. like, stop, stop adding to the 
pressure and the tension that's you know already happening with us and so everything that I did felt wrong so I didn't have that trust and I'm still working to regain that trust of myself because of everything that was telling me not to trust myself so if you have yeah. if your your general thoughts like not even in specific directions but if your general thoughts are being shut down by you know parents or mm -hmm. teachers and that's why like even teachers it's just like teachers don't like some teachers don't realize how important mm -hmm. their position is mm -hmm. like I used to go to school to escape mm -hmm. like me having perfect attendance was not because I love sitting in a classroom and learn I mean I like learning but not as much as I liked evading my mm -hmm. household drama mm -hmm. and so a lot of teachers don't realize the power that they have to yep. be the change in a child's life I have very few teachers who were immaculate like they still got on me, mm -hmm. but it I can tell it was just always something there. It was that that difference between you're telling me what I need to know, not what I want to hear, mm -hmm. but you're also showing that concern for me at the same time. So as much as I don't like what you're saying, I mm -hmm. respect it because I feel the love that you're trying to give. Mm -hmm. And so it's important because um, it's just it can either confirm the the toxicity that they're receiving at home, that mm -hmm. students are receiving at home, or it can give that other perspective that makes them feel like okay like home is really wearing me thin but there's something giving me hope on this other end where mm -hmm. it's just like maybe that's not all there is to it and maybe I just need and that's what it was for me I just need to get to a place where like my mission was to get to grown because when I was grown I didn't have to listen to none of my parents said matter of fact square up we can do this if you want to press me and so it was getting to grown so that I could get away from you know I, I that was my only goal in life like I wasn't thinking about prime I wasn't thinking about my license I wasn't thinking about car I was thinking about living outside of my home and it happened a few times when I got kicked out and then that kind of gave me even more <laughs> That, that gave that that was a favor to me because it mm -hmm. showed me you know like I was living with my uncle and my aunt for a, a point in time and they were just so like my uncle would just like sit down and have conversations with me and I wasn't used to that so I'm just kind of like can mm -hmm. we can we wrap this up mm -hmm. but it was also necessary because it showed me that I could have a conversation with a male figure and have it be mm -hmm. you know me being heard and I didn't have that with my father and then had like my aunt she was always cooking she was always asking me if I needed anything and I'm just like oh okay so there's a whole new life outside of home where I can actually look forward to being away from that and so like that's why no matter whose kid it is it's like if you're with me in a moment you're my kid right now and so I'm going to treat you as I would want to treat a child of mine that I gave birth to mm -hmm. that I want to protect with my life I'm gonna treat you that way because even even grown people it's like it's not it, there's no age limit on it it's like I want I want the best interaction for you when if I have any control over it and so it's, it's you know and that goes back to my issue with people like you know it's I, I, I want what's best for you and if I can deliver that I'm going to and if I can't it bothers me but there's just so much and you never know what someone's going through like exactly at any age and it's not just children it's grown grown folks yeah. too yeah. and it's just it's really heartbreaking mm -hmm. again it, it's like knowing that so many people are dealing with so many things and we're all feeling similar ways whether we're going through different things or not mm -hmm. like we're all feeling a similar way and we we're having such a hard time connecting over yep. Yep. having c connections conversations it's just like how are we all like over seven billion people on the planet and we're all feeling something and we can't connect and, and share that and have that reprieve of 
okay everybody's going through it in some kind of way so this gives this makes me feel hopeful because someone i look up to has felt this way before Mm -hmm. and it's just like how are we so in the hole yeah yeah i don't know i don't know how i don't know how outside of trying to make sure the conversations happen the conversations are heard um and like pulling people in like okay how can i help you like what's what's happening Mm -hmm. outside of that i just feel like and there's so many factors again back to the whole minority mental health i feel like there's a whole set of challenges as minorities that add to you know depression anxiety yep and socioeconomics is a major one so it's like you know you can be clinically depressed where it's just you know the the chemicals in your body sometimes it's like so yeah yeah things it's a lot of different things Mm -hmm. so um I think also in the minority community, our symptoms are masked. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks like something that it's not. And so if you have a good clinician, they're able to pick on, pick up on some of these things, as well as a person being a little bit more um, honest, as well as aware of yeah. some of their patterns and whatnot. Um, African-American uh, young adults are getting diagnosed as schizophrenic, but they're not mm. because of their symptoms. Um, and so it's just being educated in what these symptoms yeah. are. And so one thing that I do in my practice is I educate people on whatever diagnosis. So we t- I talk about the diagnosis. I actually show them what is that criteria mm-hmm. so that even if they leave from here, they're able to say, okay, these are my red flags. And if I feel this again, I know I need to go see a- another therapist, mm-hmm. whether me or anyone else. Um, because how are you if you don't know a lot of people are being diagnosed for things that they do not have they don't even know what their diagnosis is Mm -hmm. and so education is huge you have rights that's the other piece too there's such a mistrust for um for providers and i think in britain there's like four or five major um mental health providers in the area unfortunately they have a high turnover Mm -hmm. so i do see like a lot of people switching from that uh provider to me mm-hmm. um, because they're looking for someone just a little bit more intimate they want to yep. be more educated on their diagnosis and symptoms and things like that and not to say that their diagnosis defines who they are these are just symptoms yeah. that they meet criteria for and what does that look like for treatment because someone who has a diagnosis of bipolar their treatment plan is going to look totally different from ADHD mm-hmm. and then don't forget the treatment is really based on the person yeah whatever goes in which they want um, so it's people being educated on the symptoms. I think teachers hold a huge key with being able to observe the different behaviors and Mm -hmm. make a referral. Parents as well, they may feel like they don't, they don't, they don't have a say anymore because of DCF or whatever, (laughs) but you do, you have rights as well. And so I think it's important to be educated on what does, um, what are all these different mental health things look like, you know? And how do I make sure that my kid is getting the right care? Mm Um, because when you're okay, a lot of times I had a good friend who, uh, her son was diagnosed with um, autism at a young age and she wasn't ready yet to hear that. Um, nor was she educated about it, but when she got educated, she was like, okay, now I feel at ease. She was able to get a support system in the school system and at home to help him and her in the home environment. And so he's doing really good now. Um, but you kind of have to be a little bit open. And so when we're talking about the minority community is kind of hard to like educate and find that piece where we can slip these little tidbits in there so that when they do see those red flags okay let's take them to the doctor right away and let's get a screening so we can get treatment 
because when it comes to autism, like treatment soon as possible helps so much more rather than waiting later in life. It helps, That's true. but like the progress. And I realize that there's a, a, a mental element to like a kind of like a mind over matter element to certain types of because um, mm-hmm. I as as of maybe the past five years or so for me I started noticing things and I'm just like oh okay and you, you know you kind of hear the most extreme for each diagnosis you kind of see examples of the most extreme cases mm-hmm. and so it's just like maybe you're just because you're not the most extreme case doesn't mean that you're not somewhere on that spectrum mm-hmm. and so I would realize certain things with me like I realized that there was a, a, a hint of obsessive compulsive mm-hmm. with me where like, and I was I was actually reading a book I think it was um what was his name Mark Manson's um The Subtle Art of not giving a oh yes that book yeah. and I think there was something he was talking about um, if, if 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 in fact it was that book that I was reading that um, this and it was about people with OCD and where they would have just these uh, irrational thoughts about what would happen do they like if they don't mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. obsess do and, their and, yep. and I realized that I had moments like that where it was it was minor mm-hmm. but it was still there where like I'd be <laughs> I'd be doing laundry and I'm watching TV and putting clothes on a hanger and if the flap of a collar is flipped up and I see it and I try to move past it my chest begins to tighten until I actually go and fix it and I'm just like what and it, it didn't make sense to me but then like piecing it together I'm just like okay maybe there's a little bit of this on that spectrum my mom was an example of that where we used to laugh at it because she used to just the smallest things. I remember one day, me and my sister, we were talking about it. So we decided to test it out. We took a hairbrush from her dresser and moved it to the other side of the dresser. She lost her shit. And we laughed about it. And we told her, I was like, we did this on purpose because we wanted you to see. And then that's when she stepped back and she was just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. But like, we never really got into the conversation of, you know, what it felt like, what triggered her to like react in that kind of way. Because this was like years before I even realized it in myself. But it, there's a lot of things where I look at it and I'm just like, okay, had I actually gone to the doctor for this as a kid, I might have actually been diagnosed with this as a kid, but it might have changed the way I, I, you know, progressed in life. I might have like locked into this too heavily and it could have been detrimental to my okay. progress. Like if I knew I had anxiety and OCD and depression as a kid, I might have like locked into that in a way that would you know wouldn't be best for me because you know having the kind of household hold that I did I was like I was the kid where I never liked being sick but I was okay with being sick because that's when my mom would take care of me mm-hmm. and after a while it wasn't the same like she wouldn't take care of me the same so it was just like I'm sick for no reason now but had I been young knowing that I had all these things wrong with me potentially I would have locked into that and like it probably would have exasperated the effects of it because I was like kind of forcing it with my mind to kind of get that attention from my mom. I mean, it, it could go either way, but... But don't also, don't forget, too, like, in the minority community, it's what... I don't even think... Well, what happens in the house stays in the house. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to say yes to some yeah. of the questions that the doctors ask? So now doctors mm-hmm. are required to ask certain... Screen for depression more yeah. so. Um, but, yeah, so that's a thing. It's a, it's a lot of things that, you know happen within the minority community that yeah. makes it a challenge to get treatment. So it's also having enough providers in the area. Mm-hmm. It's 
making sure that they're culturally competent and which is a big thing nowadays and um it's interesting so one resource to let you know is there is a website called therapy for black girls it's a directory of african-american um providers mental health providers really good website and she also holds a blog and she has a facebook page for like all different supports so that's really good um healthcare that's another barrier uh so not having the health care or finding a provider that takes your um health insurance and that um, takes your claim seriously yep because that's yep. been a thing yeah yep yep it's a lot mm-hmm. it's 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 a whole lot but i going back to what you said about like um kind of how, how you figure out you know some of the things i remember when i realized i had depression <laughs> i was interning this was maybe like 2011 2010 2011 mm-hmm. i was i was finishing up my associate's degree and i was i took an internship at the juvenile detention center in mm-hmm. hartford and i was helping out with the intake paperwork and so they were asking like um i was like scoring the, the sheets based on their rubric and i'm like mentally answering for myself and i'm like yep yep and then i was just like oh crap like i i need to be getting help like how am i gonna help these kids i need to be getting help because i realized and it's just like for me even at that time before i was like super aware of myself it was me figuring like you know answering the questions mentally and then kind of just it's like every question that i answered it was like almost like a a a flashback Mm -hmm. of what kind of got me there Mm -hmm. and so again like all my problems were laid out in my mind Mm -hmm. i just didn't know how to fix it i didn't Mm -hmm. even know where to begin trying to it was just this shock like holy crap i am susceptible to depression Mm -hmm. and i didn't know what it was i didn't know if it was just you know circumstantial i didn't know if it was like chemically and you know chemical imbalance i didn't know what it was i just knew that i was i had these traits i had a good percentage of the traits and it scared me so the good the it's a lot of research going on so the brain is very pliable Mm -hmm. so as people talk about like you know trauma and how trauma will alter your brain yeah but at the same time if you do some some work you can alter it again Mm -hmm. to where life is just a little bit more easier um there's also research about food um and how like gut makes a big difference on your presentation as well Mm -hmm. um stress makes a huge like impact on life and i think people throw it around a lot um but it really does make a huge impact schizophrenia is normally diagnosed well we see it in males um in college age it's something about college age and like stress Mm -hmm. and 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 that piece so whether it's realistic or on more than likely unrealistic expectation that causes that break that's right there Mm -hmm. um so it's 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 a couple of different things a lot of times uh i'll talk about these healthy routines to kind of help with that uh the symptoms the simplest things as drinking water so that can help ease some of that on the edge because a lot of times people are dehydrated i realized that i um actually wrote a book about my experiences with my my just self-inflicted self you know just my journey through Mm -hmm. like you know kind of just aware more awareness of myself and i I, like it it was it was i felt compelled to because i had no intentions of being like putting myself through the process of like i'm a writer so i'm good with writing it but publishing it putting it out there having people read my Mm -hmm. life like no and definitely at the time that it happened i was not i was not with that 
Um, but I felt compelled to every time it came up I would write a little bit then I put it back and it was just like this thing that was nagging me and then the OCD would kick in just like I already started I have to finish it and then when I finished it it just didn't feel complete and then I put it out there and so that's what it was but it was really realizing that the some of the simplest things like and it's called control so it's finding the control in the simplest things like my eating habits like the things that I eat, like I cut out eating certain kind of meats, I cut out eating dairy, and just like things that made me feel heavy. Mm-hmm. So the things that made me feel heavy, I would either try to do in moderation or just cut it out completely. Mm-hmm. I felt a lot better after that, drinking a lot more. I, like I, I don't drink soda, like ginger ale from time to time, but the rest of sodas, no. Like I don't really drink juice unless I'm making iced tea for myself. Lots of water, and I realized that it really impacts the way I feel. Yep. And, you know, things like... Um, not eating period so it's like that, when yep. you're hungry the hangry thing like that's real yep. that is I like yep. I've road rage that would never otherwise be there to that extent like I've had moments where somebody would cut me off and I just laugh like whatever dude and then moments where I was hungry and you know had same similar and just envisioned myself getting out the car and Mm-hmm. dude what's good mm-hmm. like and that's just the difference between eating in a timely manner yep. and not it's those little things in life that probably will make a difference on the mm-hmm. intensity of an of a ugh, <laughs> on a symptom yes <laughs> um the same thing with sleep so sleep is a little bit tricky so because a lot of stress can cause mm-hmm. the sleep to go off and, and vice versa mm-hmm. but giving enough sleep can also impact the exactly. intensity um social connections mm-hmm. electronics um, social connections, like, oh, okay, social media, we got connections. No, that's not a real connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's having those trusting real relationships um, that cause, can help. It's, it's It makes you more resilient. Yeah. So it can kind of decrease the tendency for symptoms to flare and whatnot. Um, the phone, whether a TV screen or a phone screen, computer screen, something about the backlight, uh, blue light oh, yeah. and whatnot can also affect um, what's going on. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of, once again, knowing and being educated. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, yes, everyone has their own opinion, so just making sure that you read the right article. and then testing it out for yourself because it, yep. it, it, you can hear a bunch of different opinions, but if you don't realize what's real and true for exactly. you, then it's not really going to make, yep. make much of a difference. It goes back to the, you can try a thousand and one um, different skills and only one may work for you, yeah. but it's just figuring out what's what. And then realizing that, you know, just kind of having the hope so you will actually, you know, if, you know, 15 doesn't work the first time you try, then maybe 16 will be it. And nope, 16 is not the one, 17 just having that hope because, you know, there's a bunch of different things. And realizing that life isn't this, and this was one of my major issues, is kind of, (laughs) I used to envision my life in in, like a storyboard, like a, for a film. Mm -hmm. And it's just like this needs to be clean cut Mm -hmm. and when it would just get really messy it's just like i can't undo it like i would literally just think like control alt delete and obviously that's not (laughs) that's not realistic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that would give me even more anxiety because it's just like how can i clean this up and then i got into trying to be perfect at everything the first time like all the things that I that I do self-taught because actually putting myself in the position to take a class and not do it right just the the coloring outside of the lines of it 
it made me feel just ugh. so it's just like avoiding that because I thought life was supposed to be played out perfectly mm-hmm. and then getting to a place where I realized that even with the mess this is my story and mm-hmm. what kind of got me there it, it all goes back to film because film is like my thing for some reason but watching those <laughs> those indie Sundance films where you get to the end of it and it's just like okay what now <laughs> and so like watching enough of those movies I, I kind of came to a place where I like okay this is kind of beautiful like it mirrors how I feel about my own life and then I allow I started giving myself that permission to be incomplete mm-hmm. to be imperfect mm-hmm. to color outside the lines because I found the beauty in those films and so I was able to see that beauty in my own life and then the other people around me and that that was what triggered me to be more tolerant just in general mm-hmm. I mean there's still the moments where I'm kind of mm-hmm. just like uh, but overall it's just like okay life is it's like going to the gym like you go to the gym because you feel like you have something to improve on so your life is going to mirror that it's going to always have room for improvement so what are we tripping about Mm -hmm. um it's it's helped me a lot (laughs) good good i think um the ultimate like being a therapeutic chair is self self discovery Mm -hmm. learning from yourself trial and error yeah sometimes takes a little bit longer but self-discovery and allowing yourself to I think even down to like you see a lot of people social media kind of has this it kind of emphasizes this point on both ends where we realize that there are a lot of people that aren't okay with being a work in progress Mm. and then Mm -hmm. kind of it also kind of emphasizes the reason why people aren't okay with being a work in progress they feel like they have to have something to show for where they're at right now and that's not always the case and so there's a disconnect there but it's just like when they feel like this about their life it's just like you could want to start a business but you're not okay with the the groundwork of it you're not Mm -hmm. okay with the building of it because Mm -hmm. you just want to be there Mm -hmm. it mirrors how they feel about themselves where it's like if you're not who you like you know relationship goals like business goals Mm -hmm. like body goals and it's just like okay cool to have goals but are you going to actually allow yourself to get there are you going to beat yourself up for not being that already Mm -hmm. because what what's the point of having goals if you're not going to actually give yourself the space and the time and the patience Mm -hmm. to work up to it and i i think there's just this this copy paste essence to social media and it's not like i don't blame social media i feel like it kind of at the very least, it's highlighting issues that would have been there otherwise. It's yep. just, it's some, yep. sometimes it, you know, exasperates those issues, and sometimes it kind of just, you know, shows you what was already there. Yep. And it kind of just helps you figure out how to, like, what to zero in on. Mm-hmm. And it's just the how that's, you know, that's the, the tricky part. And I feel like I always had this nature of trying to be better. I, I always felt like I had something to prove, like, to my parents mostly. It's just like... I was always the kid where you would yell at me and I would want to, like, I, I would want you to let me know that I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, you made me feel this way, but I also want you to f- out- fix what you broke, basically. And so I was always trying to prove that I was worthy of that, deserving of that. So even now, it's like, I'm always trying to prove to myself that I'm better than whatever position I was in or whatever I allowed myself to, you know, fall victim to or whatever. And so I didn't really have an issue with jumping into that, that self-awareness and that, you know, that goal-oriented just being better. Mm-hmm. And But some people, they, they not everybody's like that. And so it's just like, you know, they can, they can analyze themselves or pinpoint a problem. But it's just like, oh, 
it's the end of the world. Like, yeah. I'm not who I thought I was. I'm not who I want to be. Why even be here? And it's sad. It's just like, dude, like, all you have to do, like, honestly, like, from that moment of being aware of this issue is to give yourself time to step outside of the, the state of mind that you're in in that moment because in a different state of mind, that's where, you know, answers are. Mm-hmm. Might not be the specific solution for that, but there's there's a perspective shift. There's, um, okay, maybe I can look at it from this way and it won't seem like that much of a problem. Or maybe if I look at it this way, it, I can figure out how to change it. And we are not giving ourselves enough time for that. Mm-hmm. Holding and, space. Yes. And and I think that kind of the the safe space, the the community of it, I think mm-hmm. that has a lot to do with it mm-hmm. where we're not we're we're feeling impatient with ourselves and so we're looking for other people to kind of give us that permission to be. But if we're all feeling like that about ourselves, we're going to be short with each other too and then, you know, taking those interactions and just feeling like, okay, I'm I don't feel deserving of this. You're making me feel even less deserving of this. What is the point? Mm-hmm. And just trying to trying to basically help people create that safe space inside of themselves so they can be more tolerant of others mm-hmm. and we can all kind of just realize that we all deserve to be here we're here for a reason we all deserve to be here so we can actually take up the space that we take up and enough to get it right yep. and that that right isn't right around the corner that yeah. it's gonna take yep. some time and, yep. and so to give it time and it's sad because I'm seeing like news stories about 10 year olds like when I was 10 that was kind of the first that was the first moment that I knew like there was something up I didn't know what it was but I knew there was something up because it was like maybe like a week or so after my first my, my 10th birthday where I we had like the little household party for me my brother because his birthday is like six days after mine and um actually no it was three days after mine he's six years after me but we were having that joint birthday party nonetheless and I found myself like in my room I was like in the corner in my room crying because I'm like crap I'm 10 and I'm never gonna be nine again (laughs) it's like getting worse from here and so that was the first moment that I realized that okay something's up I'm super sad I don't know why it's like a birthday this should be a good and it wasn't even because I didn't get presents I knew it wasn't because I didn't get presents because I've never been the person to care about that like you know when I got something it was like okay this is cool this is new even if it was socks it's like this is new I didn't have this before but it was just this this age thing that it bothered me mm-hmm. and it bothered me way too much for it to just be uh, I'm unsure about this and that's when I that like that's when I knew that something was up but I didn't know what it was and mm-hmm. I didn't even recall that until years later when mm-hmm. I was having episodes and I'm like I felt like this before what is this and then realizing that the first time I can re- recall feeling that was at 10 mm-hmm. and so at 10, I went into a corner and cried. Now you're reading news articles about 10-year-olds committing suicide. I didn't even know what suicide was. Yep. I didn't know how to self-harm mm-hmm. at that age. It was just cry in a corner and, and suck it up, mm-hmm. which isn't, you know, altogether healthy in itself, but it, it's it's a little bit of a step up yes, yeah. than actually feeling completely hopeless mm-hmm. at 10. Mm-hmm. And so just trying to figure out how. Mm-hmm. How is this so overwhelming at 10 years old? Why are these kids knowing just how to go about committing suicide at these ages? Mm-hmm. And it's so it's tricky. It's also educating the kids because a mm-hmm. lot of times, two one one, not well, K 
kids will notify other adults that they trust because they've seen another kid post something online or yeah. things like that. So a lot of people are also talking about bullying and mm -hmm. because that contributes to some of the suicides. Um, and so I think older generations are like, what? Why are these kids committing these suicides? You know, we were all bullied too, so I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't have um, the internet. Yes. So a kid will do something and a couple minutes later, airdropping yeah everyone will know um, um just blasting all over the internet making things go viral mm -hmm. things that were probably intimate and private They're and being broken that is what eye. is causing that intent it's embarrassment yeah. it's that intense feeling that turns into sadness that then the go-to is to escape this yeah. especially if it's continuous and the kids are not being heard so there isn't an adult there to make sure mm -hmm. that they are being safe um, so, yeah, bureaucracy in schools as well, but making sure that parents are able to be an advocate for their kid, making sure that school is a safe space. Once again, I think a lot of parents don't understand their rights yeah. when it comes to bullying in the school environment. I saw something online the other day about parents potentially being fined, and I don't know, I think it was just like a bill that they were trying to really? yeah, that parents would be fined if their kid was the bully. And really? that, honestly, it sounds a little bit extreme, but I think it's a good start to making because I there's some pe parents who they're just too busy to kind of be aware because no. trying to what intervention mm -hmm. did you notify the parent like yeah. what are going to be the steps yeah. so the kid is bullying the person and the mom comes home and sees that there's there's something there on the table that she has to pay or was she notified how well, many yeah, times so was that she definitely, notified that's definitely what's, this, a, what's the intervention because back in the day they used to have a Peer conflict. You mm -hmm. said, like, a whole yeah. period. You can, like, you know, go sit and you can resolve it. I don't think that's anymore. That's because it got common core. But don't get me started. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. But I, th I think I it, there are still some parents who know that they're... Because you see the videos all the time where, like, yeah, a parent will still, sit, sit in a car with their kid and their kid is, like, cussing everybody out. And it's just, like, you know your kid is like this. But you don't want How to. How is the school addressing it? And so it, I think How it depends. How are they bringing the parents in to address it as well? Because it's not yeah. only the parent as well. Oh, definitely Because not. some of these Because some kids, teachers are, like, completely ignoring it. And, and some of these kids, they're, they're one way at home and a total... True. They're an angel in school as and well. And then there's some because people who bully their parents. And that, that too. <laughs> that too. So I think... I still think it's a good conversation to have mm -hmm. for the people who are completely blatantly... They're in control of their kids because their kids are angels at home. Or they either see the signs and they, you know... My kid is just assertive. No, your kid is a bully, and mm -hmm. you need to say something about it. So there's still those parents to that. So I think there should be a process to it. Definitely. So if you are made aware of your child's behavior and you are not doing anything to aid to the solution, I definitely think you should be fine. Mm -hmm. But if it's a situation where a kid is just like, you know, deceiving their parents and, you know, nothing's going home about it, I think everybody needs to be made accountable for it because the parents the play a role, the teachers piece, play a role, and the child yeah, plays a role. The other piece is awareness mm -hmm. because don't forget, if that's the environment that I grew up in, that's normal. What you mean? Yeah. Mom is getting verbally abused by dad, and yeah. so is the kid. The, that now the kid has become a bully to the mom and other people. Mm -hmm. This is normal. What do you mean I'm being fine? I don't understand. Once again, resources and education. So the and school being able to educate, pull the kid to the side, okay, you're going through this at home. What resources can, can we put in place? Connecticut has several different in-home services. Usually, they're able to pull the kid, figure out, do a screening. Hmm, you would benefit from services. There's six-month programs that will go in the home and to better support the family. So 
I don't know about a fine just yet. I think it. I think it. It's a. I think we just all re- need to realize that it's all of our problems. Yeah. And yep. it's just that yep. that diffusion of responsibility. Yeah. It's all of our problems because it might not be my kid, but then that kid that I'm not, you know, feeling responsible for could turn around and affect my kid if I'm not trying to. And and it's not. It's not just straight out trying to reprimand some kid for doing something. It's caring enough about that kid in their future as an individual that you know i'm gonna want to make a good impact on their life before it gets to bite yep. you know comes back and you yep. know bites me or my kid and yep. it's just really and you know teachers i've had i've had teachers in the past who were just like i'm getting paid regardless and yeah i'm just like first of all so if you if you're only here to get paid you're doing a crappy job because you're not getting paid that much and you don't even love your job on top of it so there has to be something more than this in it for you than to get paid because you could go on the pole and make more than this well literally for some people it is and it's not just in the teaching profession Mm -hmm. it's a lot of professions i've even heard some clinicians say that as well and so Mm -hmm. yeah you may not be getting paid well but you know it's a secure job or whatever it's it's unfortunate it's, and it's the it's going too far in the wrong direction definitely and it's taking up space that other people could be mm-hmm. making that impact that mm-hmm. necessary impact it was kind of crazy to me is like on the parent end of it it's just like i i have no idea what it's like to be a parent i am a godparent but that's like mm-hmm. on call basically so it's just like there's conversation there's things that like my god kids ask ask me and i'm just like let me google that for you because i don't know so i couldn't imagine being on the hot seat all the time but then having certain conversations with, or like trying to have certain conversations with kids and then thinking that oh okay they're 10 years old this might be too heavy for them when in fact they're already dealing with the realities of the subject that you just don't know how to address and it's so, not a fault thing it's just yep awareness yep and so i would encourage that parent to take a moment to play with their kid mm-hmm. so there's something called play therapy mm-hmm. and hopefully maybe we'll get time to talk about different types of therapies or whatever but that's a great way for a parent to get to know the the kid and, and from their perspective you mm-hmm. don't have to psychoanalyze everything but you can ne- definitely pick up on little yeah. themes of just like what is all what's the mommy's always doing what's the dad always doing yeah. and the kid or or whatever and you don't even have to lead it because the kids will do it. Yeah. So within a one mile radius, there's some really great therapists around and there's actually a play therapist. I don't see um, children, but I usually will refer out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's hard at first for parents because it's just like, they're just playing, it's yeah. not real therapy. And so they're, I give them a little bit of education and then the other therapist, her name is Marcy, she gives them education regarding it. Mm-hmm. Like it's healing and, and play as yeah. well. And I think that's kind of what we all want. Like, I, I realize that as adults, we want the same things we did mm-hmm. when we were kids. We never grow out of that. That's mm-hmm. the core of who we are. It just, I don't know how it became the norm for, you know, you see babies and you always want to hug them and give them kisses. They're not really dealing with anything where they need that comfort, but you want to give it to them. So why do we need it any less growing up and, mm-hmm. and like being thrown out into the world and dealing with all this stuff like why do we need hugs and play and free time and nap time even any less than these kids do like we need it more if anything but we're expected to shoulder all of it because somehow that was the structure that was that was what we came to know as adulthood and i am i'm calling bullshit on that because i am i am in the the process of completely revamping like i'm going to curate my adult experience i'm not allowing anyone to tell me how it's supposed to go because i can't handle it the way it is a job that i don't really like just to get money that's never enough and then to what end 
to get to the end of your life and realize that you wish you had done it differently i'm doing it now <laughs> i'm doing everything i want to do now and for those who like have to do those dead end jobs yeah. you can still create a life that mm -hmm. that has enjoyment and so yes. not getting so consumed with that dead end job mm -hmm. and like okay what else can i add to myself yes just like what you mentioned routine. before, adding, not focusing on taking out, but focusing on it. It's like yeah. diet change. Like when mm -hmm. you incorporate the things that you want to incorporate, the, the negative things kind of just find their way mm -hmm. out. So like if you don't have that job that you love, but you have the thing that you need, the hobby, mm -hmm. at some point, if you can continue enough, you might just find that that hobby takes the place of that job, even with the financial benefit. And you just have to actually give yourself the opportunity to be happy in your life and be and live that creative life one of the books that i read um a few years ago um big magic mm -hmm. by elizabeth gilbert she was talking about living that creative life even not being an artist but living that creative life where she knew a person that loved like i think it was figure skating mm -hmm. and they decided that they needed figure skating in their life even if they were never going to compete or anything like that and she would wake up early in the morning to get out on the ice right before she went to her job and that made her job even more bearable because she mm -hmm. had the and that was the thing for me when I was working at this job that I didn't like and I didn't me developing in my art that it's just like you know you go you go to work and you have this stressful day and in the back of your mind well at least I have my art I have this show coming up at least I have that and it gives you something to you know to hope for and to mm -hmm. look forward to and mm -hmm. it's just like that's that's my that's my prayer for everybody that even if it's like that it doesn't have to be one and done it doesn't have to be career or bust mm -hmm. it's this makes me happy so I'm going to incorporate it into my life mm -hmm. and then allow that you know the 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 pace of progress and process and and purpose even that if this is what you're supposed to do it will build just by you dedicating a little bit of time to it and then it's also interesting because when we're talking about like mental health and it's tricky because what is happiness mm -hmm. and just allowing yourself to just go on that journey to figure out what is happiness for me yeah um so minorities happiness is um family dynamics so stepping outside anything outside of that then there's guilt yeah you're the bad person outsider outcast and so i have to find my happiness even outside of the family mm -hmm. um so what does that mean and what does that look like and then having that idea be accepted and usually that that acceptance comes from you not budging because that's what it took for me where i'm just like okay i'm working a uh, you know a crappy part-time job but this is because I can't manage any more than a crappy part-time job if I'm going to pursue this life as I want it. Mm -hmm. And I had the conversation with my mother over and over where she wanted me to do better and she was pressing me to do this and try that. And I'm just like, no, it's not that I'm not trying, but I know it's going to take a while for me to get where I want to be with what I'm aiming mm -hmm. to do. So you can either support that or just like, let me go. <laughs> and so that's one of the ch challenges that a lot of my clients will struggle with is um, setting those boundaries mm -hmm. because there has to be some self-love within yourself yeah. of, okay, I'm going to set these boundaries. It doesn't mean that I hate my family or whatnot. It's just for my sanity, for, for my peace of mind, mm -hmm. this is what I'm going to do. And it's okay if you don't accept it. Yeah. This is me. And you have to, like, and it, always comes, it all comes back down to at the end of your life 
what will you feel at the end like you you see the movies you see the interviews you see whatever you the articles where someone is completely lamenting the years that they put into the life that they live because mm -hmm. at the end of their life none of it mattered mm -hmm. and like redefining su success and happiness is something that I like I even like maybe it was like a year or two ago I had to sit and think about it because even after all the you know even after the book and after all the self-awareness and the assessment it was what am I striving for? Mm -hmm. And then realizing that a lot of the things that I was putting energy into, I didn't want. Mm -hmm. Or the things that I was trying to prioritize now, I didn't want until much later. Like like the whole house, husband, kids. Yeah, I want that, but that's not my focus mm -hmm. right now because I want to I wanna feel defined and fulfilled as a person before I allow myself to become attached mm -hmm. because that whole being needed. Mm -hmm. It's like, how can I allow myself to be needed? as a mother as a wife when I can't full I don't feel fulfilled as a person mm -hmm, myself mm -hmm. and so that's why my my and I I don't like to call it career because it kind of sounds too black and white mm -hmm. my fulfillment my growth as an individual comes mm -hmm. first so if I don't feel like I'm ready to connect myself to someone because I don't feel like I don't feel like I'll be living in my truth if I'm like putting off time for myself and my craft to put into being domesticated mm -hmm. because that's a part of me the domestication the taking care of people the nurturing yep. mm -hmm. so if I'm gonna sacrifice everything else to be that then I won't feel fulfilled in myself and so I can't put myself into that position yet until I know that I can I can give into that without taking away from yep. this and so like redefining that for myself I had mm -hmm. to <laughs> and you know the whole West Indian dynamic where the aunties and the uncles you're not married yet you're not having kids yet how about I want to be able to actually give into their lives in a good way rather than the, you know, the toxicity of feeling unfulfilled in myself and making my kids pay for it. I'm not mm -hmm. trying to repeat that. Mm -hmm. So let me be. I got you when I got you. Mm -hmm. It ain't about you at the end of the day, but I understand that you want some like nieces and nephews and or god kids or whatever, whatever the case is. I realize that, but you're not going to rush me. And so like having to finding that voice mm -hmm. in my own in the dynamics that I usually cower under like you know just mom mom's word is law dad's word is law yeah. like everybody's an authority over me mm -hmm. no mm -hmm. I have to live my own life because when I die nobody's going to take responsibility for how I didn't live mm -hmm. and so at the end of the day thank you but no <laughs> and just like trying to push that narrative that not even live this way but think about how you're living and is it is it your life like is the life you're living yours and if not whose is it mm -hmm. and are they willing to take accountability for everything that you you become because you know whether they say yes or no at the end of the day who's going to be feeling all of it and so uh, it's it's so it's, it's still hard because I know some people who you know they have those you know like cer certain cultures it's like I know um, I have some Asian friends and, and you know, who else was it? Asian friends who their parents are just like you have to go to school and this is what I want you to be. African friends too, where it's mm -hmm. just like mm -hmm. this is what you're gonna be because they have like this whole vision for their kids' lives and it's just like what happens to that person that that child's individual vision for themselves mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of times that kind of truncates that safe space where the family thinks that they're creating this opportunity for them but they're actually like they're smothering them and they don't realize that mm -hmm. 
and all the complexes that it's tricky though because mm-hmm. I feel like the extreme cases yes it's smothering them but for some people they some of the kids they don't mind mm-hmm. and so um then it's okay I don't mind doing that profession because maybe they find their happiness in something else mm-hmm. because family dynamics is important to them as yeah. well and it's a for them it's okay to take an L from a, a becoming whatever whatever career or whatever that their parents want mm-hmm. Because it's happiness. Yes. So it, it, it's kind of tricky. So, and once again, that, defining that's, happiness. That's exactly. So happiness stemmed in other people's desire for you that also might stem from a, a, a less than confident place that mm-hmm. kind of needs to be unpacked. So if you unpack that and come full circle to, okay, you know, I'm okay with this, mm-hmm. then that's one thing. But if you're just like, if it's unchecked, you end up, you find yourself like succumbing to other people's desires yep. in other areas of your yep. life. And so even if you're okay with it in one aspect, you still got to go through the process of mm-hmm. figuring out why. Mm-hmm. So you know that you're you're not just like passively living in the way that people want you to, but actually you're okay with what they want for you because it's what you kind of want for yourself yep. too. But um, let's get into the methods, okay. of the therapy methods. Okay, so yeah, there's, of course, I've talked about like CBT. Mm-hmm. There is um, play therapy. There is... Ooh, hold on. Um, <laughs> so, dang, what's it called? Let me not even go into them. So, well, okay, so it's 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 like tapping. Dang, what's it called? With, it's tapping how, like, I know um, someone who does that. Dang, what's it called? <laughs> it's like a tip of my tongue. Um... And it works. Mm-hmm. Sometimes within the first session, that's with people who have extreme trauma. Mm-hmm. Dang. I don't know why I can't think of it right now. It's it'll, it'll come you to you. Cut this out. <laughs> um, so that's one. Um, DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy. So that's mindfulness. Um, Lord, it's four <laughs> different things. Let's see. Mindfulness, um, distress intolerance. Uh, it's like a interpersonal relationship and emotional regulation. I use a lot of that as well. It's a lot of like skill base. That's usually uh, good for people who have uh, who struggle with uh, suicidal ideation and or like bipolar. But it's nice because they've kind of used that model and uh, like use it for other diagnoses besides those two right there. Um, there is. There's a ton. Goodness gracious. Are you serious? Well, what what's one that you've, like, for for kind of a general, all-purpose type of therapy, is there any one that... Um, that? I think CBT, Cognitive mm-hmm. Behavioral Therapy. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people kind of, like, branch off of that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, just the process of being aware of the thoughts and tracking the thoughts and to see how it turns into habits and... and, and Challenging the thoughts, yeah. So. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Sure. Well, we'll link resources also, <laughs> so we can definitely they can okay they cool. can actually jump in and see what are you know the mm-hmm. different things afterwards. But um, I think it's really, I think it's really important to see. Also, like, I'm when we were going through the the CBT. I realized that even without knowing the name of it, it's oh. something that I had done prior. And so realizing that, you know, th- you know, some people think therapy and they think, ah, oh, like I got to like change my whole life in order. No. Some of the processes that we already put ourselves through exactly. to kind of understand ourselves, it's as simple as that, but just like a little bit more in depth and guided 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm so I'm so glad that I got this opportunity to kind of like showcase mm -hmm. a little bit of what therapy looks like. Yeah. It's not what you think it is but at the same time i feel like people need to take their time in finding the right modality oh, yeah. and the right person the right personality for sure it is okay if you meet that clinician and you do not like them mm -hmm. i say stop it right then and there let them know um because most of the time a good clinician will have a support system of other clinicians that they can refer you to yeah. so that you don't have to go through all that back and forth mm -hmm. um so i think it's really important to like stick with it and just try to go through Definitely. some different people and as you go through each maybe pick up on what you like and what you don't like mm -hmm. um, because for some people for me they don't like the homework piece they're yeah. they're ready to sit and talk but they're not ready to make change yeah. and so if you're able to tell me that on the first day then I'm gonna honor that and we'll figure and out what treatment real. looks like that's yes. not that's not something to be like in you know not not saying that there are therapists who do that because I've like this is this is literally my first right. encounter with actual therapy <laughs> yes so it's not to say that therapists do that but I think some people shy away from the aspect of therapy because they're thinking professional someone telling me who I am and what to do and I'm not ready to you know I'm not ready to jump in there yet yep and that's like it's hindering so yep so I get that a lot of like I don't need no stranger telling me what to do so guess what I'm not telling you what to do what I am doing is giving you tools mm -hmm. so and I'm um that I do a lot of research, continuing education, credits, <laughs> and all that good stuff. So it's evidence-based models. So mm -hmm. these are the tools in which I give you. You can try them out. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do. Majority of my, of the time, you're gonna sit here and you're gonna talk. Sort majority of, of the session, yep. yep. And you're gonna like figure it out because if I'm a good clinician, I'm gonna ask the right question mm -hmm. so that you make that decision. And there's a switch within yourself, not because of me. I'm not gonna tell you what yeah. to do or whatever so yeah i kind of like the analogy that i've kind of associated with it's like because I, I like tennis so it's like going to the tennis court and playing by yourself mm -hmm. so if you're at a tennis court where there's no like wall there's you, there's no wall so you're literally just hitting balls over a net and then you got to go get it yep. versus therapy would be having that back Board so you can actually hit the ball against the wall and have it come back to you. And so having someone like basically I like that analogy. <laughs> basically having someone help you like it's just like you know return your serve so that you can you know hit it back. And so it's just helping you essentially. I like and that. I, when I realized that's what it, it was because I told my friend I was like I'm gonna try therapy this year and it, that was in January and it's now that's okay. Too. You gotta so, find the right one. Definitely, but um, it's it's taken me that long because of all my reservations for it but what opened me up to having this conversation today was thinking about it in that way where it's just like because I had a friend who actually went through therapy and so some of the conversations I had with her she was like yeah this is this is exactly how it is you just kind of have someone but you know it's them feeding it back to you but also giving you certain tools to kind of help you when mm -hmm. you're not in the office and I'm like exactly bet and that's exactly. when I kind of made that made that connection and it, it made me feel a lot more open to the concept of it because I'm completely okay like even with the art that I do it's like me creating and putting it out there so there's a lot of people who know bits and pieces of me like really intimate bits and pieces of me that it's just like okay why am I saying all this to these strangers or why am I showing this much of myself to strangers so I'm like if I can do that with my art on the internet and I can definitely have a conversation yeah. in an office in a close space with one person and so uh you made me think about art therapy so that's a tricky one when you speak about like an artist so for some artists like it's okay but mm -hmm. for others not so much because that's yeah. their safe haven mm -hmm. and so they don't want to 
begin to get in a place where they're like really overanalyzing yeah. their things and they just want to enjoy it so then it won't really work um i do do some art um i'm not an artist mm-hmm. but i am creative and mm-hmm. so i have an art group and it goes over like communication and exploration about yourself yeah. and what's nice about that so a lot of people don't like groups either because yeah. it's like i gotta tell my business <laughs> da, 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 and my groups are not like that it's skill based mm-hmm. so you're gonna learn some skills and then I also teach people how to hold space. And so, in the sense of, you don't have to solve anyone else's problems. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is just sit there and listen. You don't even have to say it's going to be okay. Because yeah. sometimes people are not ready for that. You're just going to sit there and just hold that space for them. They're going to tell you what they need. And so, it's it's learning about yourself as well as continuing to, to nurture other people in a healthy way. Because usually, it's people who like overextend themselves yeah. um, and or have like toxic traits or whatever so it's kind of relearning everything mm-hmm. about yourself so awesome yeah. well I'm gonna need every resource He's that so you <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna so need <laughs> honestly because even just like my own journey that I actually share like through my art through my podcast through everything that I do it's like it becomes a lot sometimes mm-hmm. it's like you know even get into a place where I feel I might feel stuck in my own progress and then I feel overwhelmed because it's like okay I I have I made this commitment and I don't feel like I've progressed enough to actually you know share anything in this moment and so it's just yeah like not even not even feeling forced to perpetuate you know that the the growth like you know it's a lot sometimes so I I get art therapy being tricky because sometimes it's just like I I recall a time where I used to you know do the the self-destructive cycles because Mm -hmm. it's like I need to create but everything seems chill right now so (laughs) how am I gonna create Mm -hmm. off of you know this this placid state that I'm in Mm -hmm. so okay let's spice it up let's who's out here like and just finding myself doing the most in mm-hmm. the wrong direction and it's just like okay how do i create to and it, and it it literally required me digging deeper because past the surface where there weren't any like evident like just outstanding issues it's like trying to dig deeper for habits and, and traits that aren't necessarily it's not the big one mm-hmm. but it's it's you know character building still and so mm-hmm. having to dig deep and being okay with not having this hard-hitting pace about you know drug use or whatever just being okay with you know mm-hmm. finding other ways to create and so I think it was specific and I don't actually I don't even think it's specific to creatives I think it's specific to creatives in the way that you know sometimes like us doing it for the purpose of creating but I think people who aren't artists they sometimes do the same thing you know perpetuating negative behaviors to feel something Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's a big one Mm -hmm. it's just like you're so used to feel I had this conversation with my sister Game of Thrones I I become one of those people after three years of avoiding it there were a lot of responses to the ending of game of thrones mm-hmm. where it was just really calm it was really calm and having it be a show where there were beheadings and just gore throughout the whole thing having a calm ending a lot of people didn't know how to deal with that mm-hmm. and some people's issue was like you know like holes that weren't really filled you know plot wise but a lot of people just it was too calm and they weren't and it kind of made me realize something about people who are used to the tumultuous mm-hmm. life that 
there could be moments of calm and they don't like it and it's yeah. not because they they say they want peace and they don't like drama but when there's peace and no drama they look for it because it's yeah. the only thing they know how to yeah. deal with and so yeah. having to realize that it's kind of just like oh how do you maneuver that where you literally repel peace because you don't know how mm -hmm. it feels and you don't know mm -hmm. how to deal with it the same with love i want love and then when it starts to creep up it's uncomfortable we're not gonna talk about my life right now. No, we're not talking about your life. <laughs> that, is, that is me through and through. Mm -hmm. But we're not gonna go there right mm -hmm. now. But it's mm -hmm. just, it's real. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we get people used to what they want without getting them to a place where they get what they want and then, then they're repelling it or they're pushing it away intentionally and <sighs> rabbit hole. And this is why therapy is important because you get to that rabbit hole at your own pace. Yep at your own pace it's not this this fast moving i gotta fix it now i gotta figure it out now mm -hmm. it has to be better now or else what am i doing mm -hmm. and just getting people past that idea that you have to be perfect now and i think that's a good start because yeah. when they realize like okay life's not over if i'm not who i want to be now if i'm not where i want to be now there's ways to cope with it while i'm actually improving locking people in on that idea it kind of creates that safe space in their mind that they it's like offering them the vision and then giving them the opportunity and the hope to lock into it themselves where they can create, you know, they can recreate this, this peace and this calm in their mind to give them the space to actually, the space and the time. Mm -hmm. Or give them the space to create that will to give themselves the time to get to the space that they want to be in inevitably and realizing that it's possible. And so... <sighs> One more other I thing love before therapy. I <laughs> Because another thing that like turns people off or like oh, like a myth is that if I go to therapy, I have to have meds. Mm. Not true. Yeah. So I don't prescribe meds. I don't have a license for it. I do refer people out to another provider who's less than a mile away from here. She's amazing. So usually when that comes up, whether they want it or don't or whatever. So if I continuously see like a pattern that is of concern that meds would um, benefit we have a discussion. Mm -hmm. Usually it's a lot of resistance, yeah. um, which I respect and I honor. Um, I encourage people, though, to at least go meet with the APRN yeah. to be educated about what are my options. Yeah. Because I only know limited when it comes to, like, meds for different things. She knows a ton. Yeah. Um, and so education, once again, at least be educated on what your options are. Sure. Um, drugs are tricky. They are, and they're usually my last option. Mm -hmm. So, like... If they're talking about, oh, I'm just so tired, da 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 that's where I go to water. Are you drinking enough water? Mm -hmm. And literally, some people will start drinking water and be like, okay, yeah, that was it. I was just dehydrated. So, okay. So, I'm glad that we worked on water <laughs> rather than going straight to meds. Yeah. So, it's just knowing that. And so, once again, that's that piece where if you're therapist brings it up and you're uncomfortable say something about it mm -hmm. you have rights you don't have to be on meds yeah. and there's so many other things that you can do besides before getting to meds mm -hmm. so um know your options that's Definitely. what i'm saying this is good. Yeah. so yep whatever resources that you have that yeah. you know yeah. whatever links i will add it yes, to this this was good I it definitely was. think I'm going to have to it schedule was. something else with you to, to keep going on that cycle. <laughs> Two different things. So let me verbally say some resources. So yeah, Therapy for Black Girls, Psychology Today, two great directories to find a therapist, mm -hmm. um, resources, 211. So 211 is online, so you can ask for whatever you need in Connecticut, and it'll come up with some numbers and addresses. Mm -hmm. um, 
Cornell University has a great research um, website regarding self-harm. So a lot of times people, uh, parents don't know what to do when it comes to self-harm. Mm -hmm. They have a ton of things that you can download. I would encourage you to go to their, their website and that's Cornell University. I think it's like self-harm research department or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, who else do I love? Um, that's it, I think, for right now. Okay. The two things for me. So, Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Next month, July. In a couple of days. So, um, I'm going to be doing yoga, and it's going to be chair yoga, as compared to being on a mat, because for some people, feeling pretty um, vulnerable yeah. and whatnot. So, I honor that. So, we're going to do chair. It's going to be led by me. Um, and then... Because around that time, I'll be officially certified yoga instructor. Oh, nice. And then, so that's going to be the 20th. It's a Saturday at 11. Um, and then the 26th, which is a Friday, we're at 8 p.m., we're going to do glow-in-the-dark Zumba. I'm not doing it because I got two left feet, so I got a Zumba instructor. I'm going to need to like these dates in. Yes. I got a flyer for you. Don't work. Don't worry. And... That was so much fun. So everyone's gonna get like glow sticks, bracelets. It's gonna be lit. Come with like stuff that's gonna glow in the dark. It's gonna be lit. And then that Saturday, the twenty seventh, we're gonna have a Q and A panel discussion. So I have different people that's gonna be sitting up there. Someone speaking about Latino. Um, no, it's sex trafficking in the Latino community. Um, um, black women transition, girls, black girls transitioning from high school to college, okay. uh, substance abuse in um, the black community. Why does it feel like more? And I think that may be it. I'm sorry if I forget anybody. Um, and then on the 31st to end it out, we're going to do a paint night. So that's going to be canvases that are already pre-sketched out. Mm -hmm. One is going to be a butterfly that has a semicolon in, semicolon in it mm -hmm. because there's something called a semicolon project, awareness around suicide prevention. You guys aware? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other one is an upside down um, awareness ribbon because green is for Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, and it has flowers in it. So just that's going to be paint night as well. So I would be honored if you would come as my oh, guest for sure. to any of all I'm those like events. Those yeah. Like yeah. Them um, and then the other piece. So everyone heals differently, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm beginning this movement on people sharing their story because there's so much power in you sharing your story to help sure. normalize like you talked about in your journey like mm -hmm. knowing that okay other people have gone through this and not only that i can share my story in a safe space yeah so inner peace mm. like my logo <laughs> today <laughs> um it's on it's not on facebook but it definitely is on instagram um we will be having some shirts soon hopefully coming in um in a couple of days um and I just want people to go onto Instagram and like tag me and give me a little snippet of like their healing process because everyone heals differently. Yeah. So what I've come to realize in the minority community is that no, I'm not ready for therapy. Yeah. Not a problem. Let me honor that. How did you get through it? Because your journey may help someone else. Mm -hmm. Someone else who's not ready for therapy and or maybe someone who's not able to get to therapy. Yeah. Not a problem. How'd you get there? What did you do? And then eventually we're going to roll out some affirmation cards and some guided journals. But okay. for now, it's just hearing about people's stories so that people are just a little bit more educated and open to exploring the process. Because it's time for us to heal. We don't have to continue yes. on with the baggage of other people. Mm -hmm. I hope that you were able to receive some new insight from today's segment.
some inspiration, a little bit of comfort, or even just a glimpse into a new perspective. Thanks for listening. Until next time, be loved and be loved. <laughs>